What's up, Trace? How we feeling this morning? Man, I'm pumped. I'm excited for this morning. We got a lot of stuff that we're going to cover, but I do want to, I want to do a couple of things first before we get into my message. First thing I want to do is I want to welcome all of you that are watching online. I don't do this enough. Can we welcome them in to our conversation this morning? Uh, we know that many of you are watching online because you don't live in our proximity. And so many of you don't know this, or maybe you do, but oftentimes when people come to visit you, maybe you're a child or a brother, sister, mother, father, whatever it may be, they come and visit you and then they go back home. And then what happens is they end up tuning in to Trace from that point forward because they fall in love with our church when they're here, which I think is just incredible. And so whether they go back to, I've heard Florida, Texas, uh, I've heard Georgia, I've heard Kansas, uh, Kentucky. And so, man, we're excited just to welcome all of you into this conversation with us. Hey, I wanna celebrate some things with you this morning, if that's okay. I wanna celebrate some things that I feel like God is doing and kind of stirring up inside of us as we go through this faith series called Plus One. And I've gotten so many emails over the last several weeks. And I, again, I just wanna take a moment and pause and slow down a little bit and just recognize God's blessing, God's favor on the other side of our faithfulness, on the other side of our will willingness to take steps of faith in his direction together as a church. This past week, I got a handful of emails from people that started reading God's word. Some, some for the very first time, because last Sunday, if you were here with us, uh, we decided to go on a 42-day challenge together to be more devoted to the Word of God, right? Pros carterios, the Greek word for devoted. And we decided we were gonna go through a reading plan together. And again, I got emails from people that said, you know what, uh, I'll be honest, this has never been a priority for me but I'm already feeling the presence of God in my life by being more devoted to his word. One gentleman said that he had never read the Bible, but he started on our reading plan and he immediately felt God's presence. Anybody else thankful for that this morning? Yeah, another lady wrote me and I wanna to read to you her words. She said, for the first time in a long time, I felt happy. I felt contentment, I felt purpose. And I know God was responsible for all of it. I had a single mom talk with me this past week at Rooted and she mentioned how she was ready to trust God with her finances, but she was a little reluctant to start tithing. But she decided she wanted to be faithful. She wanted to put God first when it came to her finances. And so she set up reoccurring giving and she started tithing. A few days after that, a few days after that, she received a child support check that she never thought she would get because she's been fighting for it for years. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And you just need to know that I hear these kind of conversations all the time. Wasn't planning on saying this, but somebody just shared with me uh, their tithing experience at the urinal in the bathroom and how God has been using it since they just recently started as well. So um, there's better places to find a conversation with me, but I'll take it, it's, it's great. God is moving, guys, in the life of this church. Some of you, and I appreciate this so much, especially my pastoral heart on this one particularly. Some of you said that you needed the challenge to fast. And not just fast, because again, if you weren't here last week, we started a fast between now and Easter to give up something so that we can become more devoted to our faith, that we can pay more attention to Jesus. And some of you uh, mentioned that you really needed the challenge to fast from alcohol specifically because it, it was becoming too big of a focus in your life. You know you were starting to look to it for some kind of self-medicating things with anxiety and stress in your life. And so for those of you that took that step, listen to me, I'm sincerely, sincerely proud of you. 
We also didn't get to celebrate this and we should have. A couple weeks back, we had 250 people show up for our marriage event. Emily and I were blown away by how many of you showed up and so many of you talking about how you're ready to start being a student of your spouse and to be intentional, more intentional in your marriage. Hashtag, I'll water your grass. Yep, you just had to be there. A couple more things. Last week, we had a record attendance in our kids' ministry. We had 180 kids. We had a record attendance in our student ministry, 116 students. And we had a record attendance in our worship attendance. Over 700 of you showed up. Can we give it up for what God's doing in the life of our church right now? And some people might point to several different things of why we're experiencing I don't know what you, whatever you want to call it, success. I, I kind of don't necessarily like that word. It's not success, but I would call it fruit. And the reason why I think we're experiencing this is because of our faithfulness. God is clear, especially throughout the new covenant, when we move in his direction, right? We just read this, by the way, in James, uh, I think it was James chapter four this week, if you're on our reading plan, it says that when we lean in God's direction, he leans in ours. And I believe by taking these steps of faith together as a church, we're seeing God bless our obedience. I think it's as simple as that. And so my encouragement to you is to continue to take those steps of faith, of trust, of letting go maybe of your own preferences and preconceived notions and moving in the direction of your heavenly father. And you might just be surprised how he meets you in the midst of that. Can we just say a prayer of thankfulness? God, thank you for today. God, I'm so grateful for how you're moving in the lives of the people in this room. I'm so grateful for how you bless, um, you bless our obedience, God. It's almost a way of showing us that you're thankful that we're moving in your direction. And God, I pray that that blessing continues. And we know that blessing can look a lot of different ways. And Lord, I, I think I speak for everybody in here when I say we're not doing this for the blessing. We're doing this because we love you and we wanna be faithful and we wanna trust you in greater ways with our life. We wanna trust you in greater ways with this church, God. And so thank you for how you're moving. I pray, I pray that we continue to see uh, even more ways of living out our faith and obedience to you, God. We pray this in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen. Well, today we are in week five of our six-week plus one vision series. If you're new, or maybe you've just joined us in the last couple of weeks, I would encourage you to pick up one of these booklets on the table in the back by the doors before you leave today. And this is gonna kind of catch you up to speed of where we're at, where we've been, and where we're going, and specifically how we're getting prepared for the opportunities that God is going to bring our way, especially when it comes to our future home as we're praying and preparing for that. If you wanna grab one of our prayer commitment cards up there, you can do that as well. Uh, also, just a reminder, next week, March 12th is Commitment Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit more about this a little bit later, but I would tell you this, we've got something very special planned. I'm not even gonna be preaching that much. Nobody applaud after I say that. Um, uh, we're gonna be singing, we're gonna be worshiping. It's gonna be a unique service. And I wanna make sure that you make it a priority. Uh, some of you have mentioned that you can't be here next week for various different reasons and wanted to know if you can drop off your commitment card now, to which you can. At some point, you can come up and drop them in this planter right here. And I'll talk more uh, about that a little bit later as well. But for our time today, um, I wanna start here. One of the key passages in this entire series has been in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 through 21, where Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we ask or imagine. Everybody say imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. When I say all, you say generations. All forever and ever. Amen. Trace, today I want to talk to us about how we need to grow in our ability to imagine. And some of you may be thinking, well, hold on, pastor. I thought we were in a series on faith. We are. And if you remember a couple weeks back, they're always listening. They're always listening. Let's see if I can turn this off. If you remember a couple weeks back, I talked to us about how faith almost always requires us to move. Faith requires us to move, to let go of preferences at time, to let go of preconceived notions at time and move forward and toward God. And so today, I want to encourage us to move forward and toward God by imagining, by imagining how our involvement today, how our intentionality today, how our investment today will determine to a great extent who we get to meet in heaven one day. Do you know that? Do you know that? I mean, if you were to pause and think about it long enough, don't we all know that the reason why we have faith in Jesus today is because of someone else's faithfulness in the past? Don't we know that? How the reason why we show up to church on Sunday to worship and give God our praise and to take steps of faith to, for, uh, toward him and forward for him is because there was a person in our rearview mirror, there was a person in the past that imagined. There was a person that maybe was directly related to your life, a grandparent, a parent, a friend, a coworker. Somebody imagined how their intentionality, how their faith, how their involvement, how their sacrifice could actually make a difference in someone else's life and it would determine who they get to meet in heaven one day. Today, I want us to grow and what it looks like to imagine. In his book, Imagine Heaven, John Burke writes this, if you can't imagine heaven, you won't live for it. If you can't imagine it, you won't work for it, you won't give for it, you won't sacrifice for it. The most influential and potentially effective Christians live every day with an eye on eternity. I love that. And so maybe a great question to follow that up with is this, what keeps us from imagining? Like specifically with heaven in mind, what, and maybe a better way to ask it is this, what clouds our ability to imagine at times how our involvement and the way that we leverage our influence today for impact for the glory of God and his kingdom, how that will determine who we get to meet one day in heaven. In 1939, C.S. Lewis put pen to paper describing an interaction between a senior demon and a junior demon. The junior demon at one point says to the senior demon, remind me what our plan is? To which the senior demon replies, simple really, just to create so much noise in the world that man can no longer hear the voice of his God. That was written in 1939, 83 years ago. It's prophetic if you think about it. 
as we watch an entire generation becoming so consumed by the noise of this world that they can no longer hear the voice of their God. And I would make the argument that a lot of that noise for our young people today, a lot of that noise, not all of it, but a lot of that noise is now being wrapped in this idea of pursuing the next new thing. Don't we see this happening with our young people? And if you are a young person in here, a student, middle school, high school, maybe a college student, maybe you're from the academy, I want you to pay attention to this because even if you're not experiencing this yourself, you're likely observing it in your friends, how they're chasing the next newest trend, TikTok video, Netflix series, the newest piece of tech. Or what about this, the newest enlightenment of truth. But before we as adults start to throw stones, aren't we guilty of this as well? Come on guys. Don't we sometimes chase after the next new job or new car or new house or new vacation or new mod to the Land Cruiser? Ouch. Thinking that it's going to somehow fill a void or fix a void in our life that all the other new things haven't seemed to fix yet. I think we're all a little bit guilty of this. It's as if the appeal and the pursuit of the new is going to somehow give us what we finally have been looking for. It's kind of like what Pastor Isaac said a few weeks back. It's like trying to catch the wind. Is it possible? Is it possible that this pursuit, this tenacious pursuit of the next new thing is one of the reasons why this is the most depressed generation of humankind? Do you know that? It's true. I mean, you would think with all this new stuff in front of it, all these new gadgets and new opportunities and new ideas, that you would think it would bring us a little bit more joy or a little bit more happiness and contentment. But the fact is, this is the most depressed generation of humankind. I would make the argument that the pursuit of the next new thing is not necessarily a bad thing. Let me back up and say that real quick. It's, I'm not here to make an argument that new things are bad things, right? I'm not making that argument, but I would make the argument that a tenacious pursuit of the next new thing has just added to the noise that keeps us from hearing the voice of our God. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter four, he said, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. In Romans chapter one, which we just read a couple days ago, if you're on our Bible reading plan, hopefully you are. Paul says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise, but they instead became utter fools. And if you jump down to verse 25, they traded the truth of God for a lie. Now, some of you are probably feeling this right now. We're like, oh, pastor, this kind of feels kind of negative. Like, what's up today? What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we trying to accomplish? This feels kind of negative, to which I would say, you're right. Because it is. But I'm building something for us. You see, there are some preachers that would read passages like I just read, and they would share facts like I just shared, 
and they would make a sentiment that sounds something like this. You see, that's what's wrong with this next generation. That's why they're all on a highway to hell and they're gonna get what they deserve one day. <laughs> I'm sure some of you have lived enough life to have heard some kind of spiritual, negative spiritual rhetoric like that, but not us, not here. Instead, Trace, I want us to imagine. I want us to imagine a moment in the future when this generation wakes up. Right now and in the years to come, we are going to have an entire generation of former children who have been lied to by the very people who were supposed to tell them the truth. And they are going to come to us and they're gonna be angry and they're gonna be bitter and they're gonna be broken and ashamed and sad. And they're gonna be hungry for truth and desperate for God's grace. And the temptation for some will be to point the finger and say, see, I told you so, but not here and not trace. Instead, we're going to meet them with the radical grace of Jesus Christ. And we're gonna teach them about a truth that will set them free. Anybody got an amen for me this morning? And we're going to be as patient as possible with them as they unravel the chaos and the confusion that they have been consuming over the entire course of their life. This generation is growing up during a time where we are castrating young boys and giving 13-year-old girls double mastectomies and saying that it's tolerance. Listen to me, it's not tolerance. It's an inexcusable silence from the vast majority who know it's wrong. And I am praying and I am pleading and imagining a moment in the future where the spirit of God will break through the webs of deception that have so deeply deceived this generation, a great awakening, if you will, and that we as a church will be prepared for it, that we will be prepared for it, that we will have cultivated good soil in preparation, knowing that the spirit of God still moves in mighty ways. Do you believe that this morning? Do you see what's happening across the nation right now? If you're keeping up with what happened in Asbury and other college campuses, something like this is already stirring in our midst. I want us to be prepared as a church to welcome these people home. And I promise you, there are going to be some churches that can't handle it because they've not put in the time to create the kind of culture to welcome such messiness. But we are a messy church, amen? This is a place where you can stop pretending. Go ahead and clap. There will be churches that will be quick to say, I told you so, but not this one. There will be churches that are quick to deliver out guilt instead of God's grace, not this one. There will be churches that will offer religion instead of a life-changing relationship with Jesus, not this one. We will elevate both truth and grace like we always have. We will embrace those that are far from God like we always have. We will extend hope when life hurts and we will empower everyone to experience and share the gospel. And we will do everything in our power to remove obstacles and increase opportunities to get people to Jesus because he brings dead things to life. He can set people free and we're gonna welcome them with open arms and we're gonna be as patient as possible to help them to realize that they have been lied to for the majority of their life, but we know the truth and his name is Jesus.
His name is Jesus. Trace, next week is not nearly as much about committing money as it is about getting prepared. And not only do I want you to imagine this with me, not only do I want us to grow in our ability to imagine how our involvement, our investment, our intentionality today will determine who we get to meet in heaven one day, that's important, but I also need you to deeply understand what Jesus has called us to do. And to do that, I'm gonna read to you a parable and it's not just any parable. I would argue it might be the most important parable that he ever taught. And the reason that I would make that argument is because during this parable, you're gonna see Jesus say this. He looks to his disciples and says, guys, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? I mean, if you think about it, that's incredibly significant. If you don't get this one, you're not gonna be able to get the rest of them. So this morning, I wanna to read to you in its entirety, the parable of the sower and the seed. Jesus says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. And they sprouted, and they grew, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. A little bit later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parable meant. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. Now I want you to do something. This morning, as I read to you the description and the explanation that Jesus gives to his disciples and those in attendance, I want you to think of somebody that you know Make this personal. I want you to think of somebody that you know that may be represented by one of these particular kind of seeds as he's referencing them. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Anybody else know somebody that would fall in that category? I do. Verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for the next new thing. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil, everybody say good soil, represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Trace the reason why we're bringing commitment cards next week is because we're cultivating good soil. We're cultivating good soil. We are imagining and we are preparing for a day 
when those people who have allowed Satan to steal their glimmer of faith, when those who have started the journey with Jesus but have slipped away, for those who know God is there, but instead of pursuing him, they've allowed the noise of this world to drown out the voice of their God. We're cultivating good soil for them, listen to me, and we are preparing a home for them to come home to. We're preparing a home for people that we love to come home to. Your action step of faith this week is to think of that one person. Let's call them your plus one. That one person that you know that doesn't know Jesus and maybe they're represented by one of those seeds or maybe it's a little bit different for them but I want you to commit to praying for them like you've never prayed for anybody in your life. I want you to pray for them over and over and over and over and over and over again. I want you to put them on an index card, put them on the mirror when you brush your teeth. I want you to put it in your car, put it in your Bible, somewhere where you're gonna be reminded of their name over and over and you're gonna commit to praying for them like you've never prayed for anybody in your life. And I want you to invite them to church until they get mad at you. And maybe one day, and maybe it's not because of even something that you said, but because you were will, willing to cultivate some good soil, maybe somebody else in their life speaks into their life, asks them a question that finally gets them to say yes to Jesus and to consider what it would look like to come home to their heavenly father. And although I don't like that it takes this, I know it does for some people that maybe even for some of them, the answer to your prayer will be experiencing so much brokenness as they chase after the next new thing, as they chase after the wind, as they try to fill these voids in their life with so many different things, finally coming to realize that nothing is changing and maybe for the first time they begin to look up and think to themselves, maybe God does have something better. Would you commit to praying for someone more than you've ever prayed for anybody in your life? Again, let's call them your plus one. Let me close with a lot of practicalities when it comes to what next week's gonna look like. And just so you know, I'm not gonna be talking a lot next week about our commitment cards. Next week is gonna be a celebration and it's gonna be an, just an incredible time for us as a church family. So I need to do that now. Most of you know, if you've read through our booklet, that next week, in order for us to be prepared for what we believe is next for us as a church, we need $2.3 million committed over the next two years. And we know that's gonna be a stretch for many and it's gonna take a sacrifice. And just to give you a really practical example of why we do need to get prepared, we just missed out on another opportunity that came our way. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, a building came up for sale about a mile and a half down the road uh, on Mark Dabbling, a mile and a half away. It was the Anheuser-Busch building. And uh, we put in an offer and they were asking quite a bit more than that. It's kind of our Hail Mary, if, you, <laughs> if I could describe it. And they rejected our offer. But wouldn't that have been cool? Like from making beer to reading Bibles. Come on, somebody. That's a t-shirt right there. Yeah, there you go. And if you want, you can read a Bible while you're having a beer, just not until after Easter, right? Amen, praise God, hallelujah. You see what I did there? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Next week, I'm asking all of you to bring something. Not equal amounts, but I do hope it's equal sacrifice 
that all of you have already been praying and processing through what God is leading you to do and how much he's leading you to give and that we would all bring one of these. And again, let me just reiterate, we have a lending organization that is willing to look at these commitments and allow us to borrow money based on these commitments. So if your posture happens to be, oh, I plan on giving and helping out, I'm just not gonna turn in a commitment card, you would be doing your church an incredible disservice because of how the, these are gonna be like gold. And what we're gonna do next week in a very unique way is we are gonna come up and we're gonna drop them off in planters like this. Why? Because we are cultivating good soil. We're cultivating good soil. And we're not investing in brick and mortar, but we're preparing a home for people that we love to come home to one day. Now the last time, oh, let me say this really quick too. Uh, we're giving out free t-shirts, why wouldn't we? This is what we do, free t-shirts. So you can either grab uh, one that says your story matters next week or church doesn't suck. How many of you guys are gonna do church? How many, your story matters? Who wants one of these? How about this, church doesn't suck? Welcome to Trace Church. So I was, I was told this this morning, I wanna make sure I get this right. Somebody said that they wrote on the boxes of, you know, we got a bunch of boxes with all these shirts in them, that on the outside of the boxes, they wrote it differently. It says, your story sucks and church doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional or not, but let's pray for that person as well. They need Jesus. Hopefully they'll make it here one day. <laughs> The last time that I asked you to make a sacrifice like this, uh, I did my best to lead the way because I will never ask anything of you that I'm not willing to do myself. And so if you were around here during that time, it was called the seeds offering. And many of you remember, um, I sold my truck to give to the seeds offering to kind of get us started off. And some people have asked me, do you miss your truck? And I'm like, it's just a truck. But the answer is yes, every single day. <laughs> every single day. This is my Land Cruiser. It's 2008, it's got 190,000 miles on it. It was a project, I've been working on it for a little bit and I'm gonna sell it. Because I'm never gonna ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. Why would I do something like that? Because I wholeheartedly believe that what we do today will determine who we get to meet in heaven one day. Let me pray for us. God, you, you know I believe that. But I don't want to be the only one that believes that. I want that to be an anthem within this body of believers, within this church family. Father, I want us to be able to imagine how our involvement and intentionality and investment today will make an impact for future generations and truly will lead us to meet people in heaven one day. God, I pray that between now and next week that your Holy Spirit would just move in the lives of every person, cause this place home, lead them to see the sacrifices that you're calling them to make for the sake of someone else in the future. God, I pray that through these exercises of faith that we'll continue to experience your favor and blessing. God, we, we don't ever wanna get caught up in the building. We don't wanna get caught up in the brick and mortar, but we do know that it will be a place. What I have no doubt will be a special place 
a place where people can come and stop pretending that no matter how their story reads up until today or that day, they can come just as they are, that we'll be patient. We're gonna receive them with open arms with the radical grace of Jesus, just like he did. We're gonna be intentional in pointing them to a truth that can set them free. So Father, I pray that you would help us to get prepared to cultivate good soil, to leverage our little bit of time and our little bit of opportunity for something that will far outlast our lives. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.